And what did you say the name of this shark is? It's a Carcharidon carcarius. It's a great white. But you, you don't have the tooth. Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have a summer those beaches, you we're finished. Prop, we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Mr. Vaughn, what we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Now, why don't you take a long, close look at this sign? Those proportions are correct. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode. It's been a very, very long time since I've recorded two episodes in the same week. I guess we're off to a really good start. But to be fair, uh, this is probably going to be my last episode for a couple of weeks. My wife's taking vacation starting Wednesday. Uh, so we're going to do some family stuff. Unfortunately, you know, I don't get to take a week off. You know, as you guys know, longtime listeners, I've had this job at the computer place. It's probably going to be going on my second year now. Uh, I love it. It's great. It's awesome when you're in a small business because, you know, I, I worked at a big job corporation for like 13 years. Always felt like I wasn't doing anything, but working at a small business, been around 30 years, I actually know and feel that I'm making a difference in people's life every single day. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, It's cool when you can get a job that you don't hate, you know. So I I recommend that anybody listening out there, uh, you know, if you're listening to STO to get you through your day, that's awesome. I hope I can uh, continue to do that for you. But uh, life is just, you know, life's great. Now, obviously, life has a balance. So I'm just kind of waiting for it to go down the drain. And I know I shouldn't be saying things like that. But You know, so far, everything's been going really good. So thank you, STL Nation, for the continued love and support and prayers and all that good stuff. Uh, You know, you guys are the reason why I do this. So uh, I'm super excited to be recording this episode, which is Jaws. Yesterday was Suicide Squad. Had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, you know, hopefully people listening to that had a chance to watch the movie. If you didn't. You know, go back and check it out. It is a non-spoiler review. Basically, to sum it up, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy for DC, in my opinion. Uh, It just, it was super fun. It was excellent. It was good times. But the hardcore STL seed roots, if you will, is the 80s and 90s. And it's time to go back to form and talk about the movies that we grew up with, the movies we love, uh, the movies we still want to know if they hold up today, and... uh, Jaws was the winner of the vote of the, you know, STL return episode. Jaws and Spaceballs, for those of you who don't know, Jaws and Spaceballs tied for first place. And uh, the reason why Jaws is being done is because it's summertime, everybody's swimming. So it's the perfect time to do Jaws. Go back. I haven't seen this movie in over 16 years. Uh, I'll get into all the details of why and when and all that crap. But. I thought it was perfect to start off doing Jaws first. And, of course, Suicide Squad ended up being the return episode, but that's okay. But Jaws 
is the reason why I wanted to um, do that. Just because it's summertime, everybody's swimming, and then I thought we'd do Spaceballs next episode. And then the movies that won second place, uh, we're going to go ahead and go down those movies. So we'll do a vote to see which ones, which I believe RoboCop uh, is in there. A um, couple different movies. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But we'll do a new vote for what after we do Spaceballs. We'll vote to see which movies... Go next. Uh, all the ones that won second place, we'll go ahead and do a vote to see which one we do first. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, the next couple of months, some of the movies that we're going to be talking about. So before we get into the review of Jaws, let's go ahead and get into some news. So this is kind of a real funny coincidence. After my review of Suicide Squad, I spent a lot of time talking about my history with Man of Steel and BVS and my love for Man of Steel and all this and that. And always saying I was real disappointed we didn't get a Man of Steel 2. And then right before I'm about ready to record, news breaks out uh, about Man of Steel sequel is now in active development. Uh, It comes from the rap. So here we go. I want to kind of get into this a little bit. Now, is this 100% fact? Probably not. But since the main news sources that I go to, especially Batman-related, like Batman News, things like that, uh, the hardcore Batman sites that I know only report legit stuff or possible legit stuff, like, these guys are really close to the actual people who are about ready to announce it. You know, like, for example, Batman on film, uh, you know, those guys, they know everything going on because, you know, they're super tight with Warner Brothers and they get all this special information. And yeah, so go check it out. If you're in the Batman, I highly recommend you check out my boy Andy DiGenova over at Holy Batcast. That's the greatest Batman pos- podcast you'll ever listen to. It's fantastic. And then my second favorite is Batman on film. With Bill Jet Ramey. Uh, that's a fantastic show. So go check those out for all your Batman related stuff. It's fantastic. But the rap went ahead and posted this article that uh, the solo movie for Henry Cavill's Superman, Man of Steel, is going into active development at Warner Brothers for a sequel. 
and a person familiar with the project told the rap. So I'll kind of give you some tidbits on what they said here and we'll see what's going on. So uh, despite Superman's battle with Batman, DC has been silent on a sequel to Man of Steel featuring Superman solo, leading many frustrated fanboys, myself, to believe that another film wasn't going to happen. But a person close to the project told the rap that Superman is a top priority for the studio and getting the character right for the audience is a tantamount important. I probably said that wrong because I always do. I always say words wrong. So uh, Warner Brothers did not immediately return the call for comments. But as we know, Jeff Johns uh, is now, if you will, the the Kevin Feige uh person in charge because kevin kevin feige is the guy in charge of marvel studios he's been in charge of all these movies he has his hands fingerprints and all of them that's why they're so good dc has never had anybody like that but jeff johns finally is going to be taking over now we're not really going to see his fingerprint probably till the flash movie because by the time he took over uh bvs had already wrapped justice or not just league but suicide squad was already done uh, but he did help write, um, you know, Wonder Woman. So we'll see a little bit of his fingerprints there, but for him to have full control, we're probably not going to see any of his real hardcore stuff until we get maybe the Flash um, solo movie. But, you know, because Justice League's already in development, not really in development, but it's already shooting. So they're, I know they're writing it, rewriting it as they go. But, you know, Jeff Johns, that guy's fantastic. But we're probably not going to really see his DNA until a couple years, you know, down the road, unfortunately. But I'm thinking that's why they're they're doing this Man of Steel Man of Steel sequel talk, which I'm super excited for. Now, chances are it's probably not going to hit us till at least 2018 because we got Wonder Woman for June 2nd, 2017. You got Justice League coming uh, November 2017. Aquaman currently is scheduled for 2018. I believe it's around like July 26, 27, something like that. Of course, you have the standalone Batman movie written, directed, and starring Batman. Uh, so that'll be awesome. How cool would it be if if a Batman movie wins an Oscar? And I know Heath Ledger already won an Oscar. Uh, in a Batman movie, won an Oscar. But I mean, the actual Batman, the person playing Batman, how awesome would it be? That Batman himself wins a freaking Oscar. I mean, because think about it. Ben Affleck, the dude wins Oscars pretty much any movie he directs. How cool would it be him directing Batman? He freaking wins an Oscar. That'd be like, man, that'd be for the record books right there. That'd be awesome. But So that's that's the update, Man of Steel 2. Let's hope I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because uh, I love Man of Steel. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. We're going to get a sequel to this. That'd be awesome. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how Justice League plays out. All that good stuff. And then uh, Suicide Squad did break the record for August. So that's fantastic. I think a lot of the fans are just they're just going in. They don't really care what anybody says. They want to find out for themselves. And this seems to be, you know, out of like 10 people, 8 seem to enjoy the movie versus like BVS. It was like 4 people liked it. And then the other six hated it or something like that. You know, so it's kind of going a little bit better. So hopefully when we get to Wonder Woman next year, that'll kind of be like, you know, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes score will be like 89, 90, something like that. That'd be awesome. I guess we'll have to see uh, what goes, you know, and happens in that scenario. So, yeah, I haven't done news in a, obviously a, a, a long time, a couple months now. So there's so much news that's happened in the past I really don't want to talk about. But Resident Evil... Is something that I really love. I know most of my listeners hate that series. 
Uh, I know there's a few of you who really adore it, like John the Mailman. He loves Resident Evil. I'm a big fan of Resident Evil movies. We have we have the final movie coming out, Resident Evil, the final chapter. It's coming out in January. I know people are like, oh, it's going to be trash, whatever. But you know what? Guilty pleasure for me, I guess. I love that, those movies. Uh, when we hit October, we're going to have to vote and see which movies we do. Um, you know, if I get some love for Resident Evil, I'm down for reviewing the series. I mean, I may have to do like one episode covering them all. Uh, I, there's no way I can break out every single episode for each movie. I mean, God, that'll take me forever. There's like seven of those movies. But, uh, yeah, I love the Resident Evil series. I love the game series, obviously. So, uh, the poster came out. Trailer's supposed to be hidden soon. I'm excited for it. It's going to be some good times. And, uh, you know, in regards to TV, something I want to talk about. So, I was really upset with the Castle finale, man. I really, really was, man. I'm telling you, talk about, you know, here, you know, when a show blows the ending, it really dampers the whole entire series. You know, if I've invested years of my life into a show, right? For example, Burn Notice. Burn Notice is a show I watched every single week or, you know, every, every single week it was on for eight years. And man, that finale was one of the greatest finales ever. Solidify the show is one of my favorite shows of all time. Prison Break. While I was gone, um, I watched Prison Break because I'm a big fan of Captain Cold and uh, and Heat Wave over on The Flash. And, and, you know, Wentworth Miller, I knew he was in Prison Break, and I always made fun of that show. I said, how can the hell can you have Prison Break when you're out of prison, you know? Uh, but I watched the—I asked my wife, I'm like, look, we love Captain Cold. Do you want to watch Prison Break? She goes, I don't know. So we threw on the first episode, fell in love with it. It was great. Every single episode was fan-freaking-tastic. Oh, my God. I can't even say fantastic. It was fan-freaking-fantastic. Try saying that five times really fast. Excellent, excellent, excellent show. Fantastic writing. And the reason why it's so good is because... You know, you're you're dealing with the show that was on Fox that you're in prison, so you obviously can't swear and you can't have nudity and things like that. So you got to have really smart writing. And they definitely did. And then when you get to season two and you're like, okay, how are they going to make things different? They amp it up. It's even better than one. And then you get to season three. It started off a little rough, but then it got really good. And then season four was my favorite season. And then, you know, it's because I knew the show was coming back. But I'm, I don't watch a show if I know how the show is going to end. But Prison Make, I made the exception for. And every single episode, I loved. It, it was cheer, cheer, laugh moments, uh, you know, some tearful moments, things like that. And that show ended amazing. One of the greatest finales of a show ever. And, and you, you only see it if you have Netflix because what aired on Fox, they don't. Um, they don't get into unless you buy the DVDs or you watch it on Netflix because they did a two-hour finale movie explaining the final episode, and it was great. So, you know, it makes me think of, like, shows like Castle that I put all this, you know, all this time into, and then you get this this rush ending at the end to wrap things up in, like, f- in like 15 seconds, and you're just, like, it was just disappointing, to say the least. And... I have such a bad taste in my mouth that I won't even watch it anymore when it's on reruns and stuff. And that's kind of the thing, you know, with a TV show, you have to be real careful how you end a show because, you know, you put all this time and energy into it. And then if you screw up the ending, it really, it really puts a bad taste in people's mouth. Like Under the Dome, fantastic show, terrible ending. I hated it. It sucked. Uh, I'm, you know, Supernatural. 
I hope Supernatural goes out uh, with a bang. I really do. Um, but, you know, there's some shows that had fantastic endings like Buffy and Angel. Those were great endings. Uh, Burn Notice, great ending. Prison Break, great ending. And then you get like, you know, at least Bones is going to have a good ending. At least I hope so because they're coming back for a short season to wrap things up like Nikita. Got into Nikita, loved every single episode, fantastic ending. So it, it basically cements a show for me if your ending is fantastic. But, you know, if you let if you let your, te- you know, your, your viewers down, oh man, it really puts a damper on things. So I can't even talk about Castle anymore just because I was so pissed off with the ending. You know, and uh, this isn't a Castle episode, but if you really want to know what my problems were, you can always ask me. Uh, in the group or whatever I can get into it but you know if you haven't seen it you know don't waste your time that's all I'm going to say so yeah not much news uh, in regards to music news the skillet album came out this week doing great on the rock charts I love it it's great check it out if you can Um, some really good tunes I love the Suicide Squad soundtrack even though some of the great songs that were in the movie are in the soundtrack Uh, that's a really fun soundtrack to pick up and uh, I'm fortunate I missed Ghostbusters in the theater but I did check out some of the tunes on the soundtrack. Not too bad. So not really much news. I think that'll about cover for this episode. So uh, why don't we cut to the chase and let's talk about some Jaws. From Steven Spielberg comes the thriller that earned him enough goodwill to make up for a million crystal skulls. Knowledge is their treasure. Okay, one crystal skull and still stands as the best directed, well cast, masterfully scored cheeseball B-movie ever made. Jaws. Experience one of the scariest monster movies of all time with barely any monster in it that managed to scare the crap out of you with just two music notes, the occasional fin, and some barrels. Can't stay down with three pounds on it. Because Spielberg didn't really have a choice. The shark was frustrating. It, it didn't really work all the time. It didn't work hardly at all. Thank God it didn't work. Any more of that thing would have made Jaws 1 look like Jaws 4. <laughs> People are dying on Amity Island, and only one monster is to blame. The town mayor. Watch as this horrible man and his even more horrible blazers do everything they can to keep business going. No matter how many girls, dogs, children, docks, guys, and other guys keep getting eaten. But those beaches will be open for this weekend. We need summer dollars. He is so getting named in a class action lawsuit after this. Tomorrow's the 4th of July, and we will be open for business. Out for vengeance is Chief Brody, a cop who wants to keep everyone safe while getting a good buzz going. I can do anything. I'm the chief of police. He'll take to the sea with Hooper, the original Instagram hipster. Please go to the end of the pulpit. Four. I need to have something in the foreground to give it some scale. And Quint, a grizzled old fish encyclopedia. Bluegills, dummy catch. Marlin, stingray. That's the thresher. See that? Chief Thresher's tail. Dogfish. Just got a couple of stripers. Orcas. Talking about... Watch as this legendary badass sails out to do two things. Kill sharks and sing sea shanties. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. And he's all out of sea. And And he's all out of... And he's... Here lies the body of Mary Lee. Died at the age of 103. And he's... And he's... And he's dead. 
Return to the movie that invented the summer blockbuster and inspired great claustrophobic horror movies like Alien, but also invented the unnecessary sequel, Franchise Fatigue, and inspired every sci-fi movie that combines sharks with tornadoes and octopus or Tara Reid. So before you see the Spielberg film about a big friendly giant, revisit the film about a big f***ing shark that made everyone scared to go in the water. Even though sharks kill fewer people per year than being crushed by a vending machine, that proves you don't need fancy CGI to make a great blockbuster. Just one of the best living directors, a perfect cast, and one of the most iconic scores of all time. That, uh, actually sounds pretty hard. Now I get why they stick with CGI. Starring Sequest, 70s Paul Giamatti, Captain A. Ahab, When You Fish Upon a Star, The Universal Studios Tour, This Guy, Tiger Shark, A What? The Part That Made You Poop Your Pants, <laughs> Legs, More Legs, and Seriously, What Is With This Movie and Legs? Shark Tale. You know the book this was based on was set on the Jersey Shore, right? That would have been a way different movie. Get him, shark. Get him. All right. Let's get into some Jaws. So Jaws is a movie that I think everybody on the face of the planet has seen. I mean, this movie came out in 1975, you know, and I know a group of people who say, I don't like anything from the 70s. You know, those movies all suck, but there's, you know, I think everybody's seen John Carpenter's Halloween. I think everybody's seen Jaws, you know, and, and those are kind of the exception to the rule. You know, you get a certain generation where they're like, eh, I won't go back and watch movies from that time period, but there's certain movies that they say they won't, but they'll still watch because they're just exceptions to the rule. Jaws is definitely one of those movies, I think. Um, I got kind of an interesting history with Jaws. So I've gone on record many a times of saying that, uh, you know, Jaws 2 is my favorite of the series. And I don't even remember why I said it. And I think here's the reason what, um, uh, and obviously, uh, opinions can change over time. And, you know, maybe I feel differently now, but I think here's kind of my philosophy with it. I was, uh, I was at a point in my, uh, in my movie watching where I always felt that sequels were better than the original. I think this is something I tried. I, we've all gone through this phase, okay? Don't tell me you haven't. I don't care. Maybe it lasted a month. Maybe it lasted a year. Maybe it lasted 10 years. But I went through a phase of always convincing myself, well, hey, it's the sequel. So it was better because there was more screen time. You know, like, for example, I always thought Batman Returns was better than Batman because Batman was in it more. There was more of the Batmobile or whatever like that. Or like with Jaws 2, I'm like, well, there was more of the shark in that one. And there's more, there's, you know, it's more fun because it's, you know, you know, you start making these excuses and then eventually you get over yourself and you realize, well, I was totally wrong. Um, not every sequel is better than the original, you know, and then you start realizing, well, most sequels don't even compare it to the original, you know, and you start to grow, you know, obviously, you know, being the, you know, doing this show for years, I've grown as a person, I've grown as a movie watcher, uh, things like that, you know, obviously having, uh, Jameson on has, 
has uh, helped me look at things differently and listening to other folks has helped me look at movies differently. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but just like, you know, and not just going in the movie of like, okay, I want to escape and just, you know, forget my problems and, you know, what, you know what I mean? Like watching a movie, not only just to watch it, but to kind of appreciate, you know, like scenery, which would be cinematography and, and the scores and things like that, you know, uh, things that maybe your typical person who doesn't watch a movie, they just throw a movie on and then they forget about it. You know, I've definitely, you know, I've loved movies ever before I can even remember even talking. But, you know, my love is just always gets stronger every single year. And I always look at movies differently. So a lot of times I can listen to maybe an older episode of STL and I may have said something about that movie. And now I feel completely different about it. You know, that's kind of the things. Our, our tastes change as we go on. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I always gave... I always in the back of my mind thought Jaws was a boring movie, you know, and and don't strike me down because I'm obviously going to get into details and thoughts and how I feel about it now and stuff. But for whatever apparent reason, I built in my mind that Jaws was really good, but it was really boring. And that's why I would always watch Jaws 2 or Jaws 3. I always knew Jaws 4 was a piece of crap, but I would always watch Jaws 2 because it had kids it was fun. The sharks in it a crap load of times, things like that. But like the first one, I would just remember, eh, they're out in the sea and it's boring and it's just, eh, I don't know. So I never would go back and revisit Jaws, you know. Uh, of course, three's a piece of crap too, you know, with the crappy 3D, but it's a fun, guilty pleasure. So I guess I always thought Jaws 2 was the best. So, you know, and I'm glad that I was. You know, I'm glad this movie won the vote because it made me go back and watch it. Because, again, like I said, I haven't seen it in 16 years. And, man, it's and that was kind of a good thing is that I got to watch it with a new pair of eyes and a new perspective, things like that. So let's kind of get into it. So as we know, movie came out in 1975. This is based on a novel by uh, Peter Benchley. I don't have. Okay. This movie's been reviewed by thousands of people, so I don't have all the details and, you know, all that good stuff. I'm just going to give you my perspective of the things that I know, things like that. I know that the writer of the book, there's a lot of things in there. There's, like, all this additional plot of, like, uh, the, uh, the wife is sleeping with Richard Dreyfuss, char- Dreyfuss character and all this and that, and he didn't like it and whatever. I don't really care. I'm not a book reader. Uh, I don't, um, it's just not my thing. If you love reading books, hey, great. You're a super smart person, much smarter than me probably because I, I just, I don't like books. Um, I love movies. But I always know they say the book is better than the movie. But I think in this case, I think most people say the movie is better than the book. Most of the people I talk to, they all say that. Of course, we all know the stories. They're, the shark had a lot of problems and that is for the benefit. It's a, it talk about a, a a curse that was a blessing, really. You know, for for Steven Spielberg. I mean, I think this is probably in most people's eyes. You know, like you you take Steven Spielberg's name on his tombstone, it's probably going to say Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, and then you know, I don't know some other movie. You know, Jaw. I'm sure Jaws is like in the top three best movies ever made from Steven Spielberg. Um, so this movie essentially kind of starts off, 
you got a, a late night beach party, a bunch of kids smoking, drinking. You got, you know, this movie's PG, and I swear, this chick is naked, man. I mean, they do really good lighting, but, I mean, I think if you're really paying attention, especially if you're watching HD and you really want to see some nudity, you could find it there. I mean, it, I, that always shocked me as a kid was this chick. Uh, like, man, is she naked? I mean, she's even naked on the poster. But, man, talk about a fantastic death scene. I mean, this movie right off the bat, I mean, well, this movie to me is definitely a horror movie, a monster movie, whatever you want to call it. This movie's PG, and, man, it scares the living crap out of most people, and there's a reason for it. I mean, number one, you have the simplistic score. I mean, the the simpler it is, the scarier it is, right? I mean, we've learned this lesson with John Carpenter's Halloween, and definitely... John Williams does the same thing here with this Jaws score. Opens up the film. You got the perspective of the shark. Great way of doing things. I love how Steven Spielberg didn't even like the score. And then realized later, yeah, this is a gem. But, you know, you start off the movie instantly in the first five minutes. You have a death scene. You don't see the shark. But, man, that is one crazy, crazy ass death scene where this girl is just, you could tell, grabbed by her legs, flipped all around. And, you know, she knows she's she's going to die. I mean, ugh, I can't even imagine what, you know, I mean, we're all going to die. I just hope when I die, I go out fast and I don't feel a thing. That's how I want to go out. I don't want to go out by no drowning. I don't want to go out by no fire. I don't want to go out by any of that stuff. You know, I want to go out fast and quick. That's what I want. You know, um, ugh, crazy. I don't want to talk about death, but crazy crazy death scene in the beginning here definitely sets the tone for what we're about ready to see uh or expect in this movie and uh you know right off the bat we're introduced to uh to chief brody you know i like i really dig this this chief brody guy which would be roy schneider i think the reason why i like this guy so much he's your everyday guy you know he definitely doesn't have like the 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 looks you know to try to be like the big stud or whatever they wanted to take an average guy put him in a crazy situation and i really like that i mean this guy he's like me he's from the city and you know they established it pretty early one thing steven spielberg's always great at is this character building you know taking just the littlest character in the background and making them uh you know making them important if you will uh they established right in the beginning of this movie about this town where I mean, he's from a crazy city where gunshots and murders and rapes and all this stuff happens. And the worst thing he has to deal with is karate people uh, jacking up stuff or like uh, somebody doing a noise disturbance, things like that. That's what he has to deal with. And and that's pretty cool. They established that pretty quick by having all these town folks come up to him and, uh, you know, with their concerns. And, you know, right off the bat when he... Uh, he sees, uh, you know, he see, he goes to the beach and he sees what happened to the girl. They do a really good job of making your imagination take over. You know, yeah, you see the hand, but then you see all this stuff around it and you kind of imagine, okay, what? I, I mean, of course, you find out later that that's all that's pretty much left is the hand and just a few other body parts. But uh it's it really sets the tone and really you know messes with your mind you know less is more and that's the thing movies nowadays have gotten away from is 
you know, less is more. All we get is we get more, 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 and it takes things away. You know, I miss having to um, to imagine things in my mind because everything's shown to me. You know, basically the filmmakers nowadays just think people are stupid. And so we, we got to show them everything, if you will. And that's why when I get like a horror movie and I see something and it's not fully shown to me or it's implied or whatever, it's like, huh, that's a surprise. That's a nice way of doing things because, you know, nowadays less is more is not something that we get to deal with. I did find it funny, though, uh, that Chief Brody has two phones in his house. But I think that's because he has a personal line and then a cop line. So that was kind of cool to uh, to see that. But, uh, man, that beach scene, though, pretty crazy. And then, you know, he starts doing up the uh, the report, and he instantly says shark attack. Now, my first, you know, rewatching this, I thought he just figured that out on his own. But then I find out later the coroner had told him to say shark attack and then was told, obviously, he's got to take it back uh, because of douchebag mayor. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him in just a little bit. But, uh, you know... They established pretty early on the diff, you know, the I the city versus country element that he deals with, and I I like that. It's good stuff. I I really like Roy Schneider a lot. Um, he he's very relatable, if you will. Uh, his wife uh, is definitely good times. We'll talk about her. She's not in it much, but there's one line that she gives that I always crack up at. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about Mayor Douche. So we have the uh, we have the mayor who is, I mean, I guess evidently in the book, there's like this big crazy subplot about him being in the mob or dealing with the mob or whatever. But essentially the way they play him off in this is that this dude, look, I get the fact that this is a small town. I'm in a small town. I know how small town works. I know what, you know, the the things you need to do to, to have money come in. But this guy really just, the guy has lost some brain cells. I think he did too much drugs back in the day because there's multiple, multiple times that the dude is given evidence right in front of his face and he chooses to ignore it. And it's like, dude, you're a douche. I mean, seriously, this guy's captain douche. I mean, and he's probably like, I don't know. (sighs) This this mayor guy. I mean, obviously the actor playing the mayor is fantastic. The guy does a phenomenal job. And, of course, he comes back for the second one. And it's kind of funny because you think that, you know, being a douche, you're in a horror movie, you're going to get eaten. Nope, he doesn't get eaten. He doesn't get the, the typical movie, uh, you know, comeuppance that your villains get. But, I mean, obviously our villain of the story is the shark. But we got to have some sort of human conflict here. So we have the mayor. The mayor basically... Look, Brody's trying to do the right thing. He wants to close the beach because this chick got eaten and he knows that that there's something that did it and it was more likely a shark. Because once he hears shark from the from the corner, he's like, Okay, you're right, this was a shark. He tries to let the, the mayor know and the mayor pretty much threatens him. Look, you're from the city, you don't know how things work, you can't just shut things down, you gotta have my authority, blah 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 blah. The beaches are gonna stay open. So it's like, okay, you know what, whatever. We'll leave stuff open. Well, then we get another death scene. And I'm telling you, you know, there's like two cardinal rules in horror movies. One, you don't kill animals. Well, at least you don't kill dogs, right? You don't kill dogs and you don't kill kids. Man, Steven Spielberg, he pissed all over that. He's like, you know what? I'm going to kill both of them and I'm going to do it in the same scene. It's pretty crazy. You get this beach scene. The dude's playing fetch with his dog. Next thing you know, the dog is freaking gone. 
And then Alex, man, I, I think that's the kid's name. Talk about an effective scene. You know, this scene is the reason why it's so awesome. This is probably my second favorite shot of the film is is the when he gets attacked, it's done where you don't actually see it. It's like, you know, the dude with the boobs, the man boob guy, uh, the old guy talking to him, you know, and whatever. And then uh, Brody's talking to another folks. This attack happens to the kid and it's like it's kind of out of focus, but it's like what would really happen. Like if you're really, you know, at a beach and a kid get or somebody gets attacked by a shark, you're not really going to see it. You know, maybe you see it in like the corner of your eye or whatever, but uh, it just the way it shot is great. And then, of course, there's that awesome uh, camera close up done, which, you know, essentially what you pull back the camera, but then you zoom in the lens. That shot's fantastic, which I guess Alfred Hitchcock uses that all the time. Uh, but that I love that shot when it just zooms in on uh, on Brody and he just sees the kid get an attack. And then for, that poor mom has to go out in there. Everybody's safe, but, you know, her son's been eating. Man, it, it's crazy scene. And, again, you don't, really, you don't see the shark at all. You just see just the, the couple fins and stuff. But the way it's shot, my second favorite shot of the movie. And, again, you know, you already had intense building uh, emotionally from the beginning of the movie. You know, it pulls you, sucks you in, and, like, you're instantly into this world. You get just a little bit of a breather, and then, boom, another shark attack. Pretty freaking crazy. Um, and then, of course, we get the introduction to um, uh, to Robert Shaw's character, which, you know, uh, I think most people think that, you know, Quint... This is most people's favorite character. The only problem I have with with Quint is there's a most sometimes I don't understand what the hell he's saying, and then I got to put on captions. But I dig this guy in regards to I mean this guy's been through hell and high water, and he knows this stuff, and everybody knows that he knows this stuff. Uh, so I don't know I. For me, my favorite character would be Matt Hooper, Richard Dreyfus. We'll get into reasons why, but, you know, I get Quint. I mean, he really is the backbone of this movie, if you will, because, you know, he, he, he has that, you know, the terrible screech with the nails on the chalkboard to get everybody's attention. He's like, look, you want to kill this shark? You got to pay me double, but I'll get it done. Nobody say, nobody wants to do it. They're like, whatever, sir, you know, go on about your business. And he just laughs and he's just like, you know what? Y'all are going to die, you know? And I really, I really enjoy him. And of course he has the phenomenal scene towards the end of the movie, which we'll talk about. But for me, Matt Hooper's my favorite because Richard Dreyfuss, I really enjoy him in this movie because uh, you know, the guy is smart. He's funny. Um, he's serious. You know, uh, some of the best scenes are just like when he's trying to just tell the mayor about the shark. Uh, and he also ha- he's also has kind of like uh, this crazy arc where whenever he gets scared, he drops stuff. So like he's underwater and he drops this shark tooth because he gets freaked out with the dead body. And then later on, he'll drop the spear to hit the shark uh, because he freaks out. So it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of a cool arc. It doesn't actually get fixed or anything, but it's just to let you know this guy has some sort of weakness, you know. He's your everyday guy, 
uh, but you can relate to him because he actually has fears of the water, even though that's a speciality, if you will. So I, I just, I love Richard Dreyfuss and, uh, except in, uh, what about Bob? That movie's terrible. But, uh, yeah, I, I dig Matt Hooper, man. He's, uh, he's my fave. So after the whole Quinn thing, uh, I was talking about the, uh, the wife of Brody, which is, uh, played by Lorraine Gray, Ellen Brody. Uh, she says this really funny line where she comes in and, uh, she gives him like liquor and says, uh, so do you want to get drunk and fool around? Hey, I'm sorry, man. But, uh, when a woman tells you that you better like take her up on it. And you know what I'm saying, boys? Uh, especially if you got a wife, you know, your woman tells you, Hey, you want to go get drunk and fool around? You better take her up on it. Not be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll do that. And then you start changing the subject and do something else. I was like, I wanted to slap, uh, I wanted to slap Brody across the head, but, uh, you know, it was fair because, you know, instantly his kids come in to play because she mentions about the boat and they're out there and, you know, they're like, get off the boat. And I love the the fact that she looks in that book that he's been looking at, sees the shark coming out of the boat, tells her kids to get out. That was good times. But uh, we don't get much of, of Ellen. Uh, we'll see her mo- a lot more in part two. Unfortunately, we'll see her a crap load of times in part four, but part four doesn't exist. We're not going to talk about that. But uh, I, I always found that line to be funny. You want to get drunk and fool around because it's like, dude, you need to just like cut her off and just say, let's go upstairs. Now, one thing rewatching this movie is I realized this was really two movies in one. You know, I think I kind of forgot this. You know, the first half of the movie, you got Brody, you got all the people dealing with the shark, uh, you know, being attacked, trying to keep people safe. And then... Uh, then it breaks into the second half where it's just three guys in a boat trying to take out a shark. You know, it's like two different movies put in one, but it actually works. You know, a lot of times when people try to do two movies in one, it, it doesn't work out very well. It's pretty terrible, but it works in this one. You know, it's good times. Like those guys that go out to try to catch the shark, uh, and when they catch the tiger shark, um, I really enjoy this scene because of uh, the fact that Richard Dreyfus, uh, Dreyfus character, Hooper, he instantly knows once he does the measurements that it's not the great white. And, you know, they had shown earlier where he examines the remains and they don't show anything, just the description of all that's left of this girl is a pink box. I mean, that's just crazy to imagine what somebody's, how much of somebody's body is left. And they start to describe it. And then you start envisioning it in your head. And you're just like thinking about how horrifying this girl, what she went through and what she looks like now. And then, you know, he has the fantastic delivery of trying to tell the mayor about, um, just about what the shark does it eats it's you know it, it just it's a killing machine it's it's just so fantastic great lines great delivery um the music there in that moment is so fantastic and dude still doesn't give a crap uh about uh what was going on and then you know they they cut open the tiger shark and that's when they see the license plate and that's when they decide they're going to go underwater at nighttime. And that's when you get the first, uh, you know, I love the underwater stuff. I think that's my favorite part of the film is anything, is everything underwater. One scene in particular is I absolutely love. But uh, it sets up a night, a nice night shot because you don't know if the shark's going to show up if you've never seen it before. So it gets real scary and intense and he sees the body and drops the, drops the uh, tooth. And it would have been nice to have evidence. But, uh, you know, the, the mayor's just like, you know what? 
um, I'm going to go ahead and keep things uh, keep things going. And uh, it won't be until Mike gets uh, almost killed that uh, the mayor, Vaughn, uh, you find out that his kids were there at the beach. And that's when he finally decides to pay uh, to pay Quint the money he needs. But let's talk about that. This is my uh, my favorite shot in the whole movie is the dude um, trying to talk to Mike. You know, he, he's on the boat and first time you're really seeing the shark, you know, it's, uh, they had some, they had some kids with the fin and there's no music playing. So that kind of gives you a clue that it's not really a shark, but you find out it's just a hoax. And Brody sent Mike over and Sean over to their own little area. And of course that's where the shark is. But my favorite shot, I watch it over and over and over since I rewatched this. It's fantastic. This side view where the shark is on its side and and, and eats the guy's leg off. There's just something about the way that it's just high enough where you can see it, but mostly submerged underwater. And you see his mouth open and it's just, uh, I can't get the image out of my head. It's the most effective image for me in this movie. At that moment is when I knew how fantastic this movie was. That's like what forty. That's like the forty-minute mark. It was, and then I would just. That's when I started beating myself up. I'm like, why would? How could I say Jaws two was better than this? And I'm like, how did I ever think that Jaws was boring? What the hell is wrong with me? So I had to really evaluate myself and be like, and now I kind of get where I was coming from. I was in that stupid phase of sequels are always better than the original. And then I never revisited the original at that point in time when I knew that sequels weren't always better uh, to, you know, put Jaws to be, you know, to remind myself how great Jaws is. So that's by far my favorite shot. Um, it always freaked me out seeing Mike just hanging out in the water with the, uh, with the shark rolling by and doesn't attack him. And I always thought it's cause he was, he was still, uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, lucky Mike got out the way he did. And then of course he's going to age 15 years in the sequel, which takes place like three years later. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my favorite shot in the whole film is that, that, oh God, it's so good. Man, just I want to watch that scene right now. It's so awesome. So, but as my boy uh, Hurricane Andrew told me, he goes, "Just like your favorite, uh, your favorite moment in the Rocky movies is from Rocky Five, uh, when he's like, you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? You know, and it's like that's the moment for Brody. Is like you attack my kid. He looks into the ocean. He sees how far it is, and like boom, the first the first movie ends." And the new one begins, you know, and it's like, you know what? You've messed with my family. I'm going to go against my fears and I'm going to take on this son of a bitch. You know, it's like fan freaking tastic. I love it, man. It's so, so good. All right. So we get our three, uh, we get our three heroes on the boat and we have a, and at this moment in time, the movie has turned from a horror uh, monster movie uh, to an adventure, you know, because we've established the shark is the king. Uh, King Dingling, and uh, he's he's killing people left and right, and we want to establish that our heroes of the film are are kind of can take the shark down. So that's when we get the fun adventure of uh, of attaching the uh, the barrels and following it, and you get the nice 
the the happy uh, adventurous music playing in the background. Number one, it's effective because the shark doesn't work and they don't want to show it too much. And I think that's that that's what makes it so great. I mean, that one shot where they show how long it is, and he's like, "That's a twenty footer," and Quinn's like, "That's twenty five. You know, it was an effective way of getting things to work. And you really, you really believe that these guys are out in the ocean and they're really fighting a great white shark because a great white shark ain't gonna just show his head. He's gonna be underwater, only ready to strike. So it makes perfect sense uh, of how little we see of the shark, and that just builds things up. But uh, this this whole second half of the movie. Uh, is really fun, really good. I, I definitely had, I, I definitely didn't think it was boring like I did as a kid. I don't know for whatever reason. I thought that Jaws was boring. I don't know whatever made me think that, but um, this whole thing is great because you got some jokes. I mean, obviously they set up things like you know, don't mess with the tanks; they'll blow up. So obviously it's some foreshadowing of what's going to happen at the end of the movie. But you know, you have some jokes be- because Quinn. He establishes right in the beginning. He doesn't want to have anybody attached to him uh, in regards to uh, be on his ship or whatever. But there's some deleted scenes where he actually his crew members leave. So that's kind of made sense to me. I'm like, well, why the hell is he allowing two other guys on his ship when he specifically said he's got to do things alone? But I guess the deleted scene kind of explained that. So that was okay. But he kind of gives them, uh, you know, he puts them through some hazing. Uh, which was kind of funny to watch. And they all have good chemistry, good reactions. They all kind of bicker, make some jokes. But, uh, you know, of course, the I think the most iconic scene is where uh, Roy Schneider, you know, Brody is throwing the fish out into the water, and then you have the shark come up, and then, you know, he's like, we're going to need a bigger boat, which obviously, oh, excuse me, oh, stayed up too late watching movies. Um, he stays up. Uh, that stays up. Oh my gosh. He, he, he improvs that line, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great scene. I, I know everybody says the shark looks fake. I don't have any problem with the shark. The, there's only one scene where it looks terrible. And that's obviously when Quinn's getting eaten. Cause you can see the teeth bend, but you know what? This whole freaking, the shark looks fantastic to me. Cause you know what? I love shark movies and every shark looks like crap. Deep blue sea, Good times there, although there's more CGI in there, unfortunately. But good CGI, unlike most shark movies. Um, I'll tell you right now, the best shark movie that um, outside of Jaws that you can watch is um, The Reef. Okay, R E E F, The Reef. Uh, I believe it's an Australian movie, and it's these um, um, these this couple. The boat gets attacked. And they, they're swimming to shore. And the whole movie is real-life footage of great white sharks. And, and they're, they're trying to make it to this reef to survive. And it's so scary. It's so awesome. It leaves you on the edge of your seat. It's the best shark movie you can watch outside of Jaws. So if you can find it, it was on Netflix for a super long time. But my wife and I watched it, and we were freaking out. And the whole the whole movie is real life footage of great white sharks, so it looks fantastic. And uh, but I don't ever I don't ever have a problem with the shark. Um, obviously, I can tell the difference between the shark they're showing and the underwater shark, which is uh, the underwater stuff when it's tearing apart the cage. I think is probably the the best footage. You know, in the whole entire movie, even though my favorite scene 
is where he goes and attacks that guy. I mean, that's by far the best shark footage itself is the the cage being attacked. But I dig the shark. I don't have any problem with it. Um, I think I think it still holds up to this day. But I mean, of course, you can't have a real shark eating somebody. So uh, you know, the teeth bending. The first time you see it, you're not going to notice multiple viewings. That's when you're like, ah, oh, yeah, the teeth bent, things like that. But, you know, by this point, the, the movie has built up so much equity, uh, so much scares. Just it, it's so fantastic that you really don't even give a crap. Uh, and even still to this day. Uh, all these years later, nobody gives a care because the movie is still that good. And, you know, those final moments where uh, the, the ship is sinking and, uh, you know, Mr. Brody is shooting those shark cans. Even though you know what's going to happen and you know that eventually it's going to blow up, it's still exciting to this day. So, um, you know, there there's so much I could talk about this film. I know I could go on for hours about it. I'm sure you've probably heard everything there is to hear about this movie, but... The cool thing with this movie is it really changed. Um, it was really cool to go back and experience it, you know, 16 years later. And uh, and then to find out, you know, I know Jameson, he told me he watches it every year. It's such a classic. It's so great. Uh, I can definitely see why this movie is ranked one of the greatest movies of all time. Because you know what? It really does belong in that category. So, I mean, obviously Jaws uh, is the best um, best of the series. You know, and uh, I don't know why I ever thought the way I did, but I'm glad that I no longer am in that category of uh, of how I was thinking uh, back in the day. Um, you know, this movie is definitely an A plus. Uh, I mean, think about it. it you know, if, if you're gonna rank, you know, if you take a handful of movies and you say this movie's perfect, or you're like this is one of the best movies ever made, most people aren't going to argue with you or, or give you a list of complaints, things like that. And I honestly feel that, you know, this movie deserves the high praise that it that it gets, that it deserves. Um, you know, I could go on and on. But for me, you know, coming into this, Jaws was probably like a C minus, you know, uh, because I just love the sequel so much, you know, and I've said, oh, you know, I love it better than the original, whatever. But you know, coming into this, what did I just say? C minus or something like that, you know, because thinking it was so boring and then coming out of it with like an A plus. And I've, I watched this a week and a half ago and I've been thinking about how my feelings have been on this and it hasn't changed and it, it just makes me want to watch it even more now. So I instantly went out and bought the Blu-ray after this. It's, it looks great on Blu-ray by the way, but uh, yeah, this movie, um, is, is so great. Um, I can't argue with anybody if they ever said this is the greatest movie ever made in history. I couldn't tell them, no, you're wrong. You know, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. So this is definitely, I would say, my favorite Steven Spielberg movie ever. I think it's safe to say that. I think it's okay to say that. I don't think I'll get shot for saying that. So fantastic film. Um, I highly recommend, if you haven't watched it for a real long time, go back Check it out. If you can watch it on Blu-ray, go ahead and do it because I'm telling you, those waters, the sky, everything looks fantastic. Really great transfer. A lot of good behind-the-scenes features. And uh, this movie really is the first true big movie blockbuster. And uh, we should be very appreciative of this movie. So, yeah, man, A-plus all the way. Uh, I think this is one of the few movies I'll give an A-plus to in my life. 
the, this one is uh, definitely in the top ten greatest movies ever made. Uh, I, I can't I can't believe how great this movie was, and uh, I'm so glad uh, that I I had to revisit it. So. So that's it, guys. That's my thoughts on Jaws. So let's go ahead and uh, got some emails. So let's go ahead and hear what STL Nation has to say. Okay, guys, so I do need to apologize from yesterday's episode. I said nobody wrote in for Suicide Squad, and here the whole time I had an email from Time Traveling Peter, so he uh, he gave me some crap today for forgetting it. So uh, speaking of giving crap, man, the STL Nation, man, they, they gave me a ton of crap when I announced I was coming back. It was meme after meme after meme after meme. You know, and at first I got really pissed off and then I realized it's all out of love and everybody loves me and I love them. So I actually started getting into it. So if you want to check out these pictures, I posted them on the Facebook page. They're hilarious. The best one is the one Jameson made up where it's Gary Busey talking, Gary Busey talking to a lamp about how Masunas is back. It's the funniest picture I think I've ever seen in my life. So uh, good job, Nation. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you gave me the rightful... Uh, the rightful crap I deserve, but hopefully we're past that now, and uh, I won't get any more of those nasty memes. Uh, but uh, it was it was good times, so thank you. So here we go, time traveling, Peter. Now this one's about Suicide Squad, uh, but I don't believe he's got any spoilers, so we're gonna read this one. Greetings, Masunas and Nestel Nation. Ah, to say those words again, sir. Welcome back, and I'm glad everything is going well in the family, and you're able to jump back in behind the mic. So am I, sir. So. I was able to catch Suicide Squad last Thursday, and I got to say I was not blown away like I had hoped. Well, I'm going to be done reading this email, and we're going to delete it. No, I'm just kidding. I also hoped that it would be on par with Civil War, which it was not. Now, that's not to say I disliked the movie. It was really good. All the places were right all the pieces were right there. It just wasn't clicking for me. It was like The Warriors 2016. I like Deadshot, but I wouldn't prefer someone else... Uh, but I would have preferred someone else in the role. I could have done without Killer Croc, and I would have preferred anyone else other than Jai Courtney because he kills movies. Wow, I can't disagree with you enough, sir. Holy crap. Uh, I mean, obviously, Jake, Jai Courtney, but you know, we talked about that in my review about how, how I actually liked him. Uh, now, you know I love me some Viola Davis, but she was too much like Annalise Keating for me. Jared Leonard's Joker was fine for this world, but I need more to really have an opinion on his betrayal. Clearly, Margot Robbie was the best thing in the movie, and let's be honest, I'll fight Joker for her. Okay, now, this uh, this next part is about the villain of the story. Uh, it's kind of spoilery. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but uh, he did say, I love the soundtrack, but overall the movie was like a 3.75 for me. I'm still going to buy it on Blu-ray when it comes out, and maybe I'll like it more next time I watch it. But leaving in theater, I felt the movie was a bit long. Glad to have you back, sir, and can't wait for more episodes, your friend in time, time-traveling Peter. <sighs> well, sir, I can't disagree with you enough, but we're still friends. I still love you. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Um, that sucks, man. Hopefully you rewatch it. You'll dig it. It'll be good times for you. But let's hear what you had to say about Jaws. So here we go. Greetings, Masunis and the STL Nation. Uh, Got to say again, we're glad to have you back, sir. So 
on to Jaws. I've never seen this movie. Okay. Is this the part where we officially disown Peter in the STL Nation? I need a vote on this. I'm going to put up a vote when this episode's out. Should we disown Peter? Uh, the funny thing is Phoenix owns it, and I wasn't able to get a viewing in for your review, so I apologize for that. I still, however, wanted to write in because I've always supported you since we've become friends. Thank you, sir. Uh, I could give you a review of Jaws 19 because I've seen that countless times, but I won't spoil it just in case you've seen it. Uh, just keeping this short and sweet, so hopefully the next movie is one I've seen, and I'll be sure to get some better insight. Your friend in time, Time Traveling Peter. Well... Next episode is Spaceballs, so you better get your ass rolling and check that out because it is on Netflix. Uh, good time. So uh, thank you, sir, so much for, for writing in. Uh, you know, what can I say, man? Uh, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in your thoughts in Suicide Squad, but hey, we're still friends, so that's all that matters. All right, so let's get on to the next email. This one comes from Hurricane Andrew. Alrighty. Dear Mike, hallelujah. So happy you have decided to resume your podcasting career. Well, sir, uh, it's a career that pays me no money. So there you go. Uh, And even happier for you that your family is doing well. Thank you, sir. Uh, I still listen to a few episodes a week while you were gone digging through all the older shows. I was wondering why I was getting downloads on all those crappy episodes. So good times. Jaws is probably the greatest monster movie of all time. I've probably seen it 200 times and it never gets old. That's awesome. I love the way they shot a lot of the movie from the shark's point of view and how they kept it hidden for most of the movie. I think that worked really well in building up the suspense and the fear in the mind of the viewer. Movies like this where they keep the monster hidden throughout the movie until the end are my favorite kind of monster slash horror movies. I like this movie so much that I read the book by Peter Benchley. Uh, This book was good, but the movie is much better. That's great to hear. Apparently, Benchley got the idea for the book from the terrible shark attacks which occurred along the Jersey Shore in 1916. It kind of it's kind of a cool historically. It's kind of cool historically because some of those attacks took place right in the area where I live. Uh, a couple funny side notes. One of the lines I used on my wife all the time comes from Brody when he says to his wife, "I can do anything I want. I'm the chief of police. Uh, I'm the rule breaker in the relationship. So anytime she tells me I can't do something." Or buy this or go through a yellow light. For some reason, I always just look at her and deliver that line. I could do anything I want. I'm the chief of police. Yeah, well, if I used that, I'd probably get a divorce. So, good times. Uh, second side note. I showed this to my daughter for the first time a couple years back and she loved it. The next time we went to the beach, I was walking out into the ocean with her. And I brought my phone out into the water. Oh, boy. I'm seeing where this is going. When we got a good distance from the shore, I had the Jaws theme playing ready and blast. I had the the Jaws theme song ready and blasting it. She freaked out and ran back to the beach the fastest I've ever seen a kid move. I know, mean, but it was really funny and she forgave me. So all the main actors are great. My favorite scene in the movie is when Quint, Hooper, and Brody are in the ship trading scar stories, which leads into Quint's telling of the USS Indianapolis. The best acting in the whole movie is Robert Shaw in this scene, in my opinion, which I, I can uh, I can definitely agree with that. It's it's fantastic. Although, like I said, there's some times where I got to put the captions on because I'm like, what the hell did he just say right there? Um, 
that the way his eyes kind of hypnotically glaze over as he goes into the detail he attacks gets me every time. Phenomenal. Uh, I also love this movie for the fact of how we see Brody deal with his fear of the water. The line is drawn in the sand when Brody's son goes into shock and you can basically just see internally that he decided to face his fear in that moment. This scene actually reminds me of your favorite scene from the Rocky movies when Tommy Gunn lays Polly and Rocky goes, you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down now? Brody is pissed because the shark is messing with his family now. And as a family man yourself, you can relate to that mindset of you mess with my kids i'm gonna kill you so good time sir i definitely agree with you there uh there is no fear or monster we can't face when it comes to the well-being of our children how true is that it's crazy when you read and watch about the making of this movie and how spielberg and cast and the crew all thought it was going to be a piece of crap knowing that it ultimately turned into knowing what it ultimately turned into this movie is an a plus for me about as flawless as a movie can get i know you rate the second higher than the first but the sequel is just a c to me now um, I was thinking about doing like a Jaws retrospective minus four because four is like four is like an F. I mean, it's not F minus territory because F minus is, you know, Rob Zombie's Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween H2, H2. I mean, those are F minuses. Those are, uh, I mean, nothing gets worse than those. But Jaws 4 is definitely an F. Um, I I can't even think of redeeming quality in it. Well, maybe it's a D minus because the underwater stuff is actually kind of cool. And the shark does look badass underwater, but when it starts roaring like a lion, no, it instantly drops. So I think it's like a just a D minus for that one. And uh, I was thinking about doing Jaws retrospective minus fourth, but I'll definitely say number two. Um, I'd have to agree with you. I I think I'd go with like a C plus for part two, just because there's a lot of things I do enjoy. But after seeing this movie and seeing how fantastic it is, and how you know even Brody, he should have been like like bitch. I, I took out King Shark, man. I am the king. But instead, he's let back in the same place he was in the first movie. He's scared of water and all this and that. It's like, dude, you just took out the monster shark. You should be all like, you know, all like confident and all that. I don't know. So I guess kind of relooking at it, you know, I definitely give part two a C plus uh, on that one. And, and three is a guilty pleasure. So I don't know what C minus. Yeah, but. Four is definitely a D minus. Oh god, that's that's a train wreck of a movie. Um, let's see. Uh, I hate the rest of the series after that. Once again, I am happy you are back. You have a you have a healthy family, lots of fans, and a great STL family to be happy about. So smile, you son of a bitch, Hurricane Andrew. Thank you, sir. Awesome words, and uh, uh, thank you, sir, for all the behind the scenes talks that we had. Um, that really meant a lot. So good, good times. So let's move on to Jason, as in Top Gun Jason. Here's what he had to say. Now we all know Top Gun Jason's an a-hole. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's he's very sarcastic. So here we go. Greetings and salutations, fair Masunis. What salutations? Yeah, I think that's what he just said. Okay. All right. I'm glad that you've decided to do your podcast podcast again i hope you still remember how enough about you let's get to me 
Oh, I love this guy. I saw Jaws when I was around three or four. It didn't scare me in the way that most horror movies did, but it did influence me. Although I live along the Gulf Coast, I prefer not to go into the water. Because of Jaws, I don't swim in anything that isn't a pool. I agree with you, sir. I'm the same way. Down here, everything is treating is trying to eat you. In the oceans, we have sharks, and in the lakes, we have alligators, snakes, and snapping turtles. I think Jaws is what did that. It seems that every time I watch Jaws, I find something else that in, uh, interests me. My favorite scene is when Quint is relating the story of the ship in World War II being torpedoed and many survivors being killed by sharks. The event he refer, he's referring to is about the USS Indianapolis, which, you know, anybody who says that's their favorite scene, I can't disagree with them. It's a fantastic scene. Um, it's such an incredible story, and they made a movie star about it starring Nicolas Cage, although I think the movie is in distribu- distribution limbo right now. I love Jaws so much that I actually really enjoyed the sequels, even Jaws for the Revenge. Seriously, dude? Come on. I know many talk about how fake the shark looks, but does that really matter i mean jaws 4 is a it's a voodoo shark all right it's a shark possessed by voodoo that hunts people down oh Oh my gosh dude we need to have a conversation when we get done here all right uh let's see i know how many people okay i thought it was still terrifying in fact i think they could have never shown this shark and it'd still be scary probably have to agree with you on that one now sorry if this note seems a little disjointed i just don't want it to be four hours long like a farewell podcast episode you jerk Uh, i'm really happy that your family is doing well and i hope you find the time to do new episodes take care top gun jason well thank you sir uh you're always good times man um i i appreciate uh i appreciate your joke there um yeah i know hey just be happy i'm back right gosh all this crap about me returning. Ugh. <sighs> it's all in love though, right? All in love. Good times. All right, guys. I got one final email. Comes from Jameson. Very good rabbit. Here's what he had to say. What are you, some kind of half-ass astronaut? <sighs> so you think you can just come back? Half the nation is still working their way through your farewell episode and you're already back? You ever hear the phrase, too much of a good thing? Oh my gosh, man. This guy's brutal. Uh, well, that uh, well that applies here. Of course, I'm talking about Jaws, the movie that spawned unnecessary sequels. First off, Jaws is within my top 10 greatest movies ever made. We're talking about a perfect film here. Spielberg at his finest. Every character is perfectly cast. The trio of Roy Schneider, Richard Dreyfuss, and especially the iconic Robert Shaw make this movie more than a shark film, which I agree with you, sir. This is Chief Brody's film as he deals with fear, family, duty, and the stepping outside of his comfort zone. And of course, the whirlwind that goes by the name Quint. Fearlessly taking on a 25-foot behemoth. Uh, It is one of the most memorable and quotable characters in film history. Spielberg found the perfect mix of shark to story ratio. Famously having to deal with temperamental, temperamental... animatronics, and endless production problems that helped to shape this story. Few movies have truly captured and terrified a nation like Jaws has. It wasn't just a tagline that people were afraid to go into the water after this. Of course, the underrated hero in all of this is John Williams and his simple yet effective score. That stand-up baseline goes hand-in-hand with 
There's a shark in the water somewhere. I flip and love this movie. It's an annual tradition to watch this along with Die Hard as I wrap Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. I like to watch. I like to wait until the last minute. It never loses its effectiveness. But why in the hell would you watch it on Christmas Eve? Because it's not a Christmas movie. You should watch it in the summertime. But all you know, whatever. Um, I'm interested to hear why you watch it on Christmas Eve. Speaking of never losing their effectiveness, let's talk about Peter. Have you heard that guy? He's pretty great. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll see about you, though. I'm glad you chose to follow your heart and that it led you back home, which I could be there to join you. I wish I could be there to join you on this journey, but you'll do just as you've always done, I'm sure. The nation has the leader they deserve. I can't wait for your review of Cannibal Women in the Octavo Jungle of Death. I actually asked him if this is a true movie. It actually is. So, crazy. I'll be sure to write in for that one. Until then, I'll leave you with the immortal words of Charlie, I'm going to bed. Jameson, P.S., are we going to compare scars next time we meet up? Well, sir, since we're meeting up in 10 days, uh, I guess we will find out. At least I hope so. You know, that's still the plan. I guess we'll have to see how that goes. So thank you, everybody that wrote in. Um, thank you, Nation, for all the uh, the crap you've given me uh, about returning. Uh, I know it was all in love. Um, so good times, good times. Thank you, guys, uh, for all your thoughts. Yeah, man, Jaws. I mean, I know there's a lot of things I probably missed talking about, but, you know, that that scene is so iconic, so great. Um, I think there's only a few times, though, where I kind of had to rewind because I was like, well, what did he just say right there? But it's so intense, though, that even if you miss a few words here and there, it doesn't matter. You get the point. And it's... uh, it's a phenomenal scene, so good times. All right, guys. Well, that's it for emails, so let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. Alright guys, so for the music spotlight this week, I want to go ahead and play you a song that uh, I got into um, shortly before I ended the podcast, and I never got a chance to play it on the show, so now that I'm back, I could play it for you. It, uh, it, you know, had the song come out this year, it definitely would be one of my favorite songs of the year, but I believe it came out last year, but uh, I'll have to do some research on that. It's from a band called Pop Evil, uh, I heard this on my rock radio station, and uh, it's got this just this awesome melody, awesome tune. It's very catchy. It's called Footsteps Go Higher. Probably, I'm sure you've heard it before on the radio. Uh, if you haven't, though, I think you're really going to enjoy this song. Uh, it's pretty freaking amazing. So uh, it's one of my favorite songs that I've been listening to this year. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's awesome. So that being said, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode. If you want to write in, please do so. Uh, again, that's sweepdelaypodcast at uh, gmail.com. Don't forget the next episode will be Spaceballs. Uh, I don't know yet when that will be recording, probably a couple weeks from now, maybe three or four weeks, if you will. Um, I'll give you guys a heads up when that's going to be happening, but if you want to go ahead and email in for that, that would be great. Please let everybody know. Uh, if you haven't listened to the last episode, I kind of told you, obviously, the viewership uh, has gone down, which obviously makes sense because when you end a podcast, obviously, people are going to hit unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. 
subscribe makes perfect sense but now that stl is back if you want to go ahead and just let people know you know if you you get a post in your feed go ahead and share it with other people because you know it costs money to try to like sponsor on facebook and things like that but if i can get the fans to kind of let everybody know that'd be awesome so uh just let people know hey masunas is back check out stl uh it's good times uh, but I did have to close the website down because it's a couple hundred bucks a year. I just don't have that kind of cash. Uh, again, Change Channels podcast is a refresher. I'm going to give it maybe two, three more weeks, and then I'm going to pull the plug on that, and it's going to be deleted from iTunes. So if you have any desire to listen to Changing Channels podcast, do it now. Grab those uh, episodes before they go away forever. Um, and then uh, I will come back and do an underground hour probably after Spaceballs. Um the thing I really wanted to do was, uh, since I'm almost at episode 50 for the Underground Hour, was do like a three-part episode to like the top 50 songs of uh, STL. And then, you know, episode 50 would be like one, the last, you know, top 10, whatever. I think I'm on like episode 47. So it kind of will work out perfectly. So I think I'll break it up like maybe... Uh, 15 songs per episode or something like that and i don't i don't know how i'm going to do it i'll let you guys know so uh those of you who are interested uh, or still dig the underground hour i will still be doing that so no fear there uh, i just have no idea when it'll be probably it's going to be after space balls we'll get that out of the way and then we'll do some underground hour and then we'll get back to the voting for the next uh episode after that so well that's about it guys so again thank you so much for uh coming along and uh having this fun ride with me as we reminisce and discuss jaws uh what a great fantastic film so uh, i hope you guys have a good one uh don't forget to join the group stl nation on facebook that's where we interact with each other all the time i'll keep you guys posted on how things are going uh but i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna enjoy some family time for the next couple weeks so uh you guys have a good one take care as soon as i've been counting all my steps all my nose just turned to yes silently i must confess my troubled history this washed away all my sins Starting over once again This is where it all begins It's right in front of me Down is not where I belong This aching heart won't turn to stone There's a fire inside these bones It was meant to be I see your world still full of light How could I ever been so blind? I still haven't lost my fight That haunts me in my sleep
After all, I'll fuck.